be in Nehemiah chapter 1 this evening. In Nehemiah chapter 1, we see that Nehemiah gets some bad news. He's worried about what things are like in Jerusalem, where he's from, where the Jewish people are from. And he finds out things are not good. <coughs> he finds out some bad news. But we see a godly response to bad news here in Nehemiah chapter 1 as well. A man who when he finds out this, the first thing he does isn't get upset. First thing he does isn't come up with a plan to deal with the first thing he does is he turns to his Lord we'll start reading there in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 1 where it says the words of Nehemiah the son of Hakaliah and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year as I was in Shushan the palace that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I prayed before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the palace that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Before we go any further, I ask you to join me in prayer. God, we thank you this evening for the example 
that we see here in Nehemiah, the way a godly man responds when he recognizes trouble. Not only do we see that Nehemiah was willing to examine what was going on to ask and not just sweep it under the rug, but then he was willing to act on it. We pray that as believers in Jesus Christ that you would give us that kind of attitude that we would be people who can honestly ask the tough questions and people who can honestly turn to you when those times come. We pray that you give me the words that need to be spoken this evening. Help us to take this message, to apply it in our lives, and we would live in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Pray for this church to guide us in the direction you would have us to go. We pray especially for those around us who are lost, who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Help us to be people who take the gospel to them before it's too late. We pray for the many on the prayer list that you meet those needs in accordance with your will. Help us to understand your will as you do so. We pray that when we leave here today, you'd help us to take not just what we see here in this passage, but all that we see throughout your word and to apply it in our lives. We pray that you'd help us to live in a way that brings honor and glory to you, to do the things that you want us to do and to turn from the things that you don't want us to do. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name because we love him. Amen. Isn't it easy to get upset when you get bad news? And certainly sometimes bad news is worth mourning. We see even Nehemiah here. He weeps. But instead of just sitting there and bawling his eyes out and getting upset about everything, where does Nehemiah go with his troubles? He takes them to the Lord. He recognizes that yes, he can weep about things. Yes, he can mourn about things. Yes, he has this sorrow in his heart about what he finds out. But he's also willing to take it to the Lord. Moreover than that, he's willing to not just take it and ignore it. He asks the question. He finds out what's going on so that he can deal with the problem. I think so many times this is where we fail. Don't we like to just sometimes ignore our problems? We like to just sweep them under the rug? But we see Nehemiah asks about it and deals with it. We see a couple of things in our passage this evening. First thing we see is that a godly man realizes the problem. You see, it starts off telling us these are the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. That's who's writing here. And it says, It came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year. Tell us roughly about how far into the exile they're at as he was in Shushan the palace. They've been exiled for a decent little bit of time here. He's in Shushan. 
Now that probably sounds familiar to us from when we went through the book of Esther. Shushan the palace. And while Nehemiah is there, it says Hananiah, one of his brethren, he comes and certain men of Judah, they came up from Judah, from the area around Jerusalem. And so he asked about the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Not all the Jews were taken captive. Some of them were still there. They're left of the captivity. They're still back over there in Jerusalem. They hadn't been brought to Shushan, but they're ruled over by the same people. And so he asked, how are things with them? And moreover, how are things in Jerusalem? which was the center of Jewish worship, the center of all things for the Jewish people. He's concerned. Now, he could have said, you know, things are probably bad in Jerusalem, and I don't want to hear. Good man. He could have said, you know, I don't want to know what's going on in Jerusalem. I'd be better off not knowing. But he asks the question. He says, how are things? And you have to imagine he knew he wasn't going to get a good answer because you see the response he gets. It says, They said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. So they're not good at all. Not good at all. They're in great affliction. Things are going poorly. They're in reproach. It's pitiful. It says the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. This city that was so important to the Jewish people, here the wall has fallen down. The city in this day and time was nothing without its wall. But the wall is broken. This big, beautiful wall that was around Jerusalem is just gone. The gates, which fortified the city, they're burned up. There's no wooden gates there. So Nehemiah asks a question and he finds out the bad news. We see that Nehemiah finds out about the sad state of God's people. He wasn't willing to just ignore the problem. He wasn't willing to just say, I'm not going to ask because I don't want to know. But he was willing to deal with the problem. Now sometimes, don't you just wish that you could ignore your problems and they go away? I know most of you probably remember that little old blue pickup I drove when I first moved down here. There were times on it that I wished I could ignore the problems I had with it. When I bought it off of my uncle, two of the tires I had on it were over 10 years old. And driving down the road one day, the truck just starts doing this. Just shaking. 
I was very tempted to ignore the problem. But I realized pretty quickly that probably wasn't going to be my best choice of how to deal with this. So I went to somebody and I asked, I said, you know, my truck's shaking. It just started this. What could it be? They walked around and showed me the bulge on that 10-year-old tire where the side of it was bulged out about like that, about three or four spots. I really didn't want to go buy tires. Those tires had plenty of tread on them. They were only 10 years old or better. They dry rotted and were separated. It wasn't good news. But the thing was, being willing to ask the question and realize that, yes, I've got a problem. Because we know ignoring it doesn't work out as well. I've been there a few times too, ignore the problem. I had it come back to bite me because I knew something was broke on something and just ignored it. Just made it worse. You know, sometimes the first step to addressing a problem is realizing we've got a problem. Being willing to honestly evaluate things. Honestly ask the tough questions. I think so many times this is where we fail as Christians. Maybe even not the second part. I think we fail a lot of times in the second half of it too. But I think so many times as Christians we just want to gloss over everything in our lives, don't we? We like to think we've got everything together in our lives, and we don't like to ask ourselves the tough questions. We don't like to examine where we're at as believers in Christ. We don't like to examine where we're at as a church. We don't like to examine the things that are tough questions. But we need to. Because that's the first step to addressing it. You read the book of Nehemiah and you see that his asking the question is the motivation for a lot of good that comes out of it. But we've got to ask the question. We've got to be willing to ask, where am I at? What am I dealing with? Where do I need to go from here? We see, first of all, this evening that we can honestly examine our lives. We can honestly examine where we're at as believers in Christ and as a church. We need to ask the tough questions. What's our condition? Some people need to ask the question, do they know Jesus Christ even? We need to ask the tough questions because that's the first step to addressing the problem. But we see not only that a godly man realizes the problem, we see how Nehemiah is willing to ask the tough questions and figure out that there is a problem to start with. We see a godly man responds to the problem. And look at Nehemiah's response. If only we could have the response of Nehemiah when we had troubles. It says, It came to pass... When I heard these words, he said, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days. Now, these are normal responses. When you hear bad news, he's, he sits down and weeps. He mourns. says he fasted. 
and pray before the God of heaven. Now the weeping and mourning are normal human responses, but see what he does with it. He doesn't just stop at crying about it. He doesn't just throw a fit. He weeps and mourns, but he also fasts and prays. It's okay to have the human emotions, but you need to have the godly response to go with it. Because he doesn't just only sit down and weep and mourn. But he fasts and prays. And you notice which one of them it focuses on. Which one was the biggest The biggest component to this is the prayer. Because the second half of this chapter is just his prayer. And it says he prayed this prayer day and night, he says. So he prayed long and hard about this. He may have sat down and weeped and mourned, but I guarantee you Nehemiah was sitting down and praying pretty well the whole time. He says, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God. That's who he calls God. He says, he's the Lord God of heaven. He's recognizing God for who he is. says, the great and terrible God. Now, this terrible doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we think of terrible as a different thing than, they, than it means here. This is a God that ought to instill awe and reverence. When we think of terrible, we just think it means bad. But he's been a God that's so wonderful, he's so great that you ought to have reverence for him. He's saying, you know, you're such an amazing and wonderful God that keeps covenant. He says, you're such a wonderful God that you keep your word. And he said, you have mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. He recognizes how God is a God who has mercy. Who's a God that answers prayers. He says, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open. He wants God to recognize what he's going through. He says, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. He says, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. I said, Nehemiah realized the problem, didn't he? He was responding appropriately. Nehemiah not only realized when he's asking those questions, you know, how are the Jews over there in Jerusalem and in Judah? He knows why they're in captivity too, doesn't he? Because they're disobedient to God. He says, you know, I want you to hear me, God, but I also want to confess that we've messed up. We brought this on ourselves. He says, both I and my father's house have sinned. He doesn't say them folks over there, they messed up. He says, I and my father's house have sinned. He says, we 
have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. He says, God, I'm crying out to you to hear me, and I want to tell you, first of all, I messed up. I'm part of the problem. He says, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. So he says, God, I know you told us. That when we messed up, if we turned away from you, you were going to scatter us all out abroad among the nations. And they're scattered. They said, but remember what you said a few verses later, because he says this over in Leviticus 26. He says, in verse 33, I will scatter you among the heathen and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. But he says, on down there, Verse 40, if they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also walk contrary unto them and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham, will I remember, and I will remember the land. <clears throat> you know, he told him, he says, if you go out and do this, if you go out and turn against me, I'm going to scatter you. But if you turn back to me, I'm not going to forget you. And he says, you said that, God. Remember how you said it. And he says, now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Because, you know, we admit we've sinned. Listen to me, God. I know that you are the one who can deal with this. He says, O Lord, bese I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. He says, God, I just want you to listen to my prayers and the prayers of the rest of them that are willing to, to fear your name. And he says, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Yeah. Notice what he says at the end of his prayer there. He says, you know, 
prosper your servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. In the sight of this man, he says, I was the king's cupbearer. He's going before the king. He's burdened for God's people and he's going before the king. He says, you prosper me before him. He knew that to deal with this, he needed to go to the king. But before he goes to the king, he knows he needs to go to the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that Nehemiah's first response is not to immediately jump to, well, I'm going to go to the king and ask if I can go to Jerusalem. His first response is to turn to the Lord and pray about it, admit his sins and the sins of his people and say, Lord, I want you to bless this as we deal with this problem, but I know I need to turn to you first and let you deal with it. We see that Nehemiah shows us the right pattern for how we respond to problems and that Nehemiah's immediate response is prayer. Prayer, fasting. He's weep, sitting down and weeping and mourning when his immediate response, the first action step that he takes is prayer and fasting. The first thing he does to deal with the problem is prayer and fasting. Now, how many of us have ever put together something and come with a big old pack of instructions? I love doing things like that. I always like messing with little model cars. I don't do too many of them, but every once in a while, I love to get one of them out and put it all together. My only problem is I'm bad about not stopping to read the instructions. I look at it and I say, well, I know this piece goes here. And the problem is, yes, that piece goes there. But before you put that piece there, you need to put about three other pieces that you're not going to be able to get to where they go. And so I get into it and I look at it and I realize I've got to undo about the past three or four steps to get back to this. How many times do we do things like that? We get in our own minds what we need to do and maybe we know what we need to do but we don't do it in the right order. Look at Nehemiah here. He understands that yes, he needed to go to the king. Yes, he needed to do some other things. If you read the rest of the chapter, you see Nehemiah knew there were a lot of things he needed to do to deal with this problem. But he knew where to start too, didn't he? He knew what the first step was and that was prayer. How easily do we forget where we should start and forget that that's with prayer? We jump right into doing something. We jump right into, well, I'm going to do this instead of I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to act on this problem instead of I'm going to pray about it. I think a lot of times we get things a whole lot better if we started where we ought to. We could deal with problems that come up in our life if we started where we ought to. 
this evening, we see that we can take our problems to the Lord in prayer. Just like Nehemiah, we have the same privilege as believers in Jesus Christ. He tells us we've got it even better than Nehemiah had it. Because it tells us over in the New Testament, when we don't know how to pray, when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit intercedes with for us. So we've got a better deal than Nehemiah had. Nehemiah at least had to get the words right. You and I don't even have to get the words right. Isn't that wonderful? Because I guarantee you I mess up. Get tongue-tied. Don't say the right thing sometimes. We need to be people who turn to the Lord in prayer. And that's where we start when we see troubles. We've got to realize that we've got troubles and not ignore them. But we've also got to take them to the Lord in prayer. You know, we see this evening a wonderful example from Nehemiah. We see a man who sitting there in Shushan, the palace. He could have ignored the problem. He could have just said, you know, I don't even want to know how things are over there in Jerusalem. Because it didn't affect him. I mean, he's hundreds of miles away. He could have ignored the problem. And just let it work itself out. But he didn't. And I think so many times as Christians, we fail at that. We like to ignore the problem. We like to just pretend that it doesn't matter. But I think we also fail here in the second part of it. We jump right to action and we skip to prayer. And how much better off would we be yes, we can weep. Yes, we can mourn. Yes, we can get upset about things. But instead of just jumping to action, we ought to take the problems to the Lord first of all. You know, this evening I think what we see is that we can be people who rightly respond to those issues that we face as believers in Jesus Christ. You see so many around us in the world. The world gets upset when problems come, don't they? The world runs around like everything's hopeless. And believers in Christ, certainly we can be upset. We can be people who are bothered by things. The Bible doesn't tell us that we can't be upset, that we can't mourn things. But we need to have a godly response. A response that we know who's got it under control. We know who to turn to when we face problems. We have a peace that the world doesn't have offered to them. That they would have only if they would turn to Jesus Christ. Only if they took the offer of following Jesus Christ would they then have that peace 
that you and I can take so freely an advantage of. For the lost person, you want to have hope? You want to be able to deal with your problems? To look at them? Realize that you've got problems? And have an answer to them? Turn to Jesus Christ and then you got that privilege of taking your problems to the Lord in prayer. For the believer, we need to take advantage of what we do have. We need to be people who say, yes, I'm willing to look and see if I've got a problem. And then people who say, well, okay, I see something wrong. I'm going to take this to the Lord. Instead of just ignoring it and hoping it'll fix itself. Because it never does. We can be people who take advantage of that. Who take our problems to the Lord. And turn to Him first. Instead of turn to Him after we've tried everything ourselves. That's what we see here in Nehemiah chapter 1. 